I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. on what is the second day of ACC football kickoff in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today features Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, FSU, and UVA. We'll talk a little ACC very shortly. Today is also day one of Big Ten Football Media Day. That kicked off in Indianapolis. A lot of questions surround the league with the imminent expansion next season and a few headlines that have hit the airwaves in the last few weeks. We're going to get to all of that. With that, we welcome you in. Christine Williamson alongside Todd Luganville, who will be here for the next hour. And Pete Thamel may be the most busy man on our network today. Uh, he'll be joining us throughout the show. Good to see you, Pete. Good to see you, Tom. All right, let's start with some news coming out of Indy. Let's start there. A Big Ten team dealing with controversy surrounding the program. Northwestern football players Bryce Gallagher, Rod Hurd II, and Bryce Kurtz will not attend Big Ten Media Day today because of the increased attention on the program's hazing scandal. So let's get you caught up with what is happening there. Back in January, the school conducted an investigation into hazing, and in July, they decided to suspend then-head coach Pat Fitzgerald for two games. After that, a story came out in the Daily Northwestern with more details on the allegations, and two days later, Northwestern fired Fitzgerald. Three unnamed former players filed complaints last week, and on Monday, Former wide receiver and quarterback Lloyd Yates filed his own lawsuit. He's the first plaintiff to identify himself. Earlier, Pete Thamel asked interim head coach David Braun about the emotional state of his team. Take a listen. They've been crushed. Um, a head coach that, you know, a lot of those young men made a decision to come to Northwestern because of Pat Fitzgerald. And uh, for him to no longer be their head coach is something that, all of them continue to wrestle with. Um, I'm so proud of the way that they've responded to that, though. You mentioned on the podium that, that collective res resolve. Uh, how do you think that manifests itself once you start camp here soon and then obviously you open on, uh, on a Sunday in front of the eyes of the country against Rutgers? The quicker we can get to football, the better. You know, I, I know in the early forms of camp, it's really going to, uh, that, that team's going to continue to come together. The storm that we're going to have to weather is an understanding that it will be emotionally charged and the entire season will be. There's so much emotions that our guys are, are encountering right now. And uh, we just need to do a great job of understanding. We need to take it one at a time. You know, this, this ascension is not going to be a straight line. There'll be peaks and valleys. But I, I truly believe the leadership on this football team right now is built to, to navigate that. Pete, as we saw you were speaking to Coach Braun, what more can you tell us about your conversation? 
Well, Christine, I thought it was pretty emotionally raw and pretty honest from David Braun. Uh, remember, this is a guy who's never coached an FBS football game, never mind as a coordinator, an assistant coach, a GA. So he walks into Lucas Oil today as an FBS head coach in, in, in obviously a very difficult decision. Uh, the other notable thing from Braun on the podium today was that he declined comment on current staff members who've been named in lawsuits. So again, it's a reminder that these allegations are not going to go away as Northwesterners truly clearly trying to pivot forward towards the field. Uh, Lugs, so knowing that, what is the biggest challenge that faces Coach Braun as he goes on to coach this football team? I think trying to keep all the clutter and the distractions out of the locker room and out of the building. Listen, there were 1-11 a year ago, so there's nowhere to go but up on the field. I think you got to keep it about football, keep it about the kids, and you know what? Keep it fun. Make football fun for these kids. Distract them. Get their minds off of, as he referenced, what is going to take an emotional toll. And then don't be afraid if you're David Braun and maybe put your own stamp on this football team in the process and the schedule and how you go about doing things. And so, you know, to me, and I said this earlier in the week on our program, worry about the things you can control. And if you do that, if you keep the focus there, then they have something that they can look to that they can actually make an impact on, and that's the actual game of football. Northwestern is set to start practices in August, and as you mentioned, Pete, they kick off on September 3rd against Rutgers. All right, let's get to the football field, shall we? Ohio State lost its CFP semi as the clock struck midnight on New Year's. The Buckeyes' next title run will be with a new quarterback because C.J. Stroud became the program's third consecutive primary quarterback to become a first-round NFL draft pick. Junior Kyle McCord and sophomore Devin Brown will compete for the starting job, and they're pretty lucky because they have a Heisman contender to target. Marvin Harrison Jr. has recorded three career games with three receiving TDs, the most of any player in Buckeye history. The squad is bringing back a number of defenders headlined by former top five overall recruits Jack Sawyer and JTT. The Buckeyes also return leading tackler Tommy Eckenberg and sack leader Michael Hall Jr. Pete caught up with their head coach, Ryan Day. Take a listen. From going to Pro Day there, the, the theme from the players and from the staff was inches when you look at a missed kick, when you look at a defensive back tripping over his feet to, to lead to a gash play. How did you coach that notion, and how have you seen guys attack the details so those inches go your way next time? Well, it's, it's you know, when, you, when you look at those two games, you're saying to yourself, you know, if you, if you eliminate X number of plays here, it's completely different. And certainly in the last game, one or two plays. But but ultimately, that's what happened. You lose the game. So how do you address that? That's exactly what you're saying. And the, and the way to do it is by competing. So if you and I are going to go lift against each other and, you know, you do it 10 times, I go up. Now I'm going to try to do it 11 times to get that extra rep, to get that extra inch. So we've really just focused on competing in almost everything that we do. We'll continue that into the preseason, and we're counting on that to be the difference. I would love to see Ryan Day and Pete Thamel uh, lift against one another. OSU is projected to be the best team in college football, according to ESPN's analytics. They have a 34% chance to go undefeated, including the Big Ten Championship, an 81% chance to make the college football playoff, a 34% chance to be the number one seed, and a 36% chance to win the title. All of those are best in the FBS. And it's hard to think that they can be better than last season, considering they had C.J. Stroud as their quarterback, and this year they don't know who their quarterback is going to be. But, Lugs, when you look at this team this season, are they better than the 2022 season? I think they're going to be much better on defense. Obviously, the jury is out. After you lose a top-five overall pick that was so productive at quarterback and C.J. Stroud, you have to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. You think you know what 
you have with Devin Brown. You think you know what you have with Kyle McCord, but they've got to go out and do it. And the good news is, is neither one of those two guys has to wear an S on their chest. Just go out and be consistent. Get the ball where it needs to go. Study the offense. Rely on the playmakers. Take the check down to a Heisman Trophy winner in Travion Henderson and let him run 80 yards, and you'll look like a hero, literally. And so I think offensively the components are there for them to be every bit as good as they were a year ago, but it's the defensive side. we got to remember Jack Sawyer, Ty Hamilton, uh, Steel Chambers, uh, JT, Denzel Burke. All of those guys played as true freshmen two years ago. They're all juniors now. This is a really talented, much older, much more experienced defense. So I think on that side of the ball, they're going to exceed where they were a year ago. I agree with that, Lugs, and I really think when you look at Ohio State moving forward this year, the biggest question mark to me comes on the offensive line. They obviously lost two tackles to the NFL draft, and there's really just a, a gap of experience there. They had to go into the portal to get a left tackle from San Diego State. I really just wonder if that unit can come together, it will give who's ever the quarterback time to distribute the ball around the because the talent is clearly there at wide receiver. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit more about their quarterback situation, shall we? Because as we know, there's some big shoes to fill at the quarterback position. After C.J. Stroud was drafted second overall in the 2023 NFL Draft, he left Ohio State as the fifth in all-time passing touchdowns list in Big Ten history. So no pressure there at all. Pete with Ryan Day and then Marvin Harrison talking about the quarterback competition. As they battle it out, are there any fundamental tenets that you want to see from them to, that give you guys the best shot to win this year? I think the first thing is making routine plays routinely. You know, we have such a great amount of skill around them. Certainly our offensive line has to develop, but and the guys need to step up there. But if you're making routine plays, you have Marvin Harrison, Emeka Buka, you know, Julian Fleming, Travion Henderson, I can, I can, the list goes on, probably one of the better you know, skill groups I've ever been around. So the good news is, like, you don't have to reinvent the game. You know, just if, if you know, Marvin's getting double coverage, you know, probably somebody has single coverage <laughs> over here, you know, and, and those guys should get open. Oh, they're very talented, I think. From an arm standpoint, they can make all the throws that you can ask them to make. Um, I think more so just be coming down to the knowledge and making the right decisions and um, reading the defense correctly. The quarterback can trust us, and uh, you know, me personally, my job is to make their job easier. So if he can trust me to be in the right spot, get open and catch the ball, then uh, I just do on my part. Okay, so McCord has the major edge and experience. He's a junior, and he has 158 snaps in his career with 58 pass attempts. Devin Brown is a redshirt freshman who has played 15 snaps in his career and has yet to attempt a pass. He had one rush for one yard last year. Pete, uh, you're there in Indy. What more can you tell us about the quarterback competition? Well, Christine, I actually went to spring practice at, at Ohio State uh, earlier this spring uh, when they had pro day and, and watched both quarterbacks. And again, you can only glean so much from one practice, but I would, I would handicap the race this way. McCord is more experienced. He's a little smoother. He's going to be that quintessential distributor that may be all Ohio State needs. I think Devin Brown may have a little higher upside. He's got a little more twitch. The ball pops off his hand a little bit more. Again, I don't think there's sep much separation between these two. So I think efficiency will be the key key term in determining this quarterback battle. 
Pete, I totally agree with you. And, and, and how do you find out who's most efficient? Well, you're going to chart every single thing that they do. Every, every throw, did they make the right decision? Did they make the right check at the line of scrimmage? What's the end result? Have they protected the football? Did they avoid negative plays? And at the end of fall camp, you're going to have to kind of go with your gut. And I think Ryan Day and, and the staff, too, need to kind of gauge their football team in their locker room. Who, who, who's gravitating towards who? And, and do we need to have that be a part of the equation on determining who the quarterback is? But I, I do think it comes down to decision-making, accuracy, protect the football, and avoid negative plays. All right, Ohio State has 38 days to figure out who their starting quarterback will be. They will match up against Indiana on September 2nd. Pete, you're leaving us, but you'll be back very shortly. Still to come on College Football Live, Jim Harbaugh sidelined for the first four games of the season. A live report detailing Big Ten Commissioner Jolie, Tony Petiti his thoughts on the suspension. Plus, we'll turn our attention to the ACC and Media Day where Florida State took the stage today. Will Jordan Travis and company live up to the preseason hype? We'll talk about it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to College Football Live. 36 days away from the start of the ACC football season. And ACC football kickoff is on day two in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today features Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, UVA, and Florida State. So let's go to tally. Florida State is coming off of its first 10-win season since 2016 after rattling off six consecutive wins to finish the 2022 campaign. In Mike Norvell's first two years as head coach, the Seminoles won a combined eight games. Jordan Travis will return to Tallahassee for his fifth season and is looking to build off of the season where he finished seventh in total QBR. He has thrown for nearly 6,000 yards and 45 touchdowns in his career with Florida State. On the defensive side, the Knowles had one of the best pass defenses in the country, finishing fourth in FBS, allowing just over 165 passing yards per game while holding opposing quarterbacks to 35 total QBR. Let's hear from Mike Norvell on his quarterback that he has, you know, how much he cares about his teammates. Um, he's got a humble spirit uh, about himself, and then he shows up to work uh, to, to make others better. And, you know, when you have that trait at your quarterback position, uh, you know, he is what I want Florida State to look like. You know, just the, the, the experiences he's had to go through, some of the, some of the, the, the great success and some of the, the challenges that he's had to overcome, you know, you know working through uh, your college career. I mean, he's just a, he's a special person. We always have to keep the main thing the main thing. Um, I always talk about that. Um, there's a lot of expectations, but that's it's one thing when you get on the field. All those expectations disappear when the ball is kicked off. I mean, last year there was a lot of learning experiences, um, a lot of ups and downs throughout the year. Um, I always look back on the NC State game. I mean, that game helped change me as a man and change me as a person and a player. I mean. It made me a lot tougher, and I've learned a lot from that. Um, but yeah, man, you got to take these experiences and turn them all into positives. 
All right, so Florida State opens this year against last year's SEC West champion, LSU. They play at Clemson in week four, which will have a massive conference implication. According to ESPN's analytics, Clemson has a conference high 54% chance to win the ACC. Florida State is second at 24%. All right, we welcome in Eddie Royal, who is in Charlotte, North Carolina for ACC football kickoff. Thank you for joining us. I know you've had a very long day. I'm going to start with you. Uh, are you buying into this FSU hype? I'm buying big. They're returning 87% of their production from the year before. They got guys that could have went to the NFL and been high draft picks, but decided to come back. They hit the portal to fill some voids and still added some guys that could start for them. Talking to Coach Mike Norvell, he said guys that started last year aren't guaranteed to start this year. So that's a big statement right there. I love the leadership with Jordan Travis. He's been through the highs and lows of college football. And the main thing is that the culture is set at Florida State. That was a big issue before. They didn't have a good culture there. Things were rocky. Mike Norvell's got this thing headed in the right direction. And the guy in Jordan Travis to lead the ship. Yeah, Eddie, I think we should all be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit because they have closed the talent gap. To your point, the competitive depth is something that was lacking over the last, you know, five to six to seven years. But it is about the locker room. It's about the culture. It's about the fact that this team goes out not wondering if they can win, but believing they are going to win every single time they take the field. Five, six years ago, this was a team that would crumble the moment they had a penalty, the moment there was a turnover, and they could not function and they couldn't recover from it. And I think that was because more of what they were as people than what they were as athletes. And so this is a good football team. And Mike Norvell has a consistent voice. The players respond. And I think the quarterback, Jordan Travis, is the most improved player in college football from 2020 to this point. There were moments where you thought he couldn't play the position the way he was performing. He stuck around. He toughed it out. He didn't transfer. Coaches believed in him. And now look at what you have. You guys both mentioned it. If this Florida State team does live up to the hype, it's going to be a huge part of Jordan Travis's responsibility. Take a listen to this. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. Jordan Travis has really emerged as their guy. Travis runs, finds a small hole, gets free. Inside the tag, still dancing, and in! Is he going to throw the ball to hurt you? Is he going to run the ball to beat you? George Travis, will you chill, bro? Let's go. That's my quarterback right now. We talked about it, right? Jordan Travis was one of the best quarterbacks in the conference last season. He led the ACC in total QBR and yards per attempt and ranked in the top three in touchdown to interception ratio and completion percentage. Lugs, you touched on him a little bit. Uh, let's go into a little bit more depth there. What are your expectations for Jordan Travis this season? I think that his completion percentage will be in the 67 to 68, maybe 69 percent. It's incrementally gone up every single time he has played. And now I don't think there's anything in the offense that they don't trust him with, um, whether it's getting to the line of scrimmage and having to get out of a bad look and get into the right play, whether it's plays like this where he just creates with his feet and pulls a rabbit out of the hat. And, you know, his confidence is at an all-time high. And I, and I go back to what he went through in, in some of my comments earlier about the criticism and the scrutiny and, and – just how everybody was down on him and nobody believed in him. He just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. I credit co the coaching staff for that. Now I think, you know, they're handing him the keys to the car and they're not telling him to drive it. They're telling him to race it. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I believe he's he's improved every single year. Last year, he doubled his passing yards from the year before. He lowered the amount of interceptions that he threw, and even the sack numbers went down. So that tells me when you're not taking as many sacks, you have a better understanding of the offense. You know where to go with the ball, where your outlets are, where your hot routes are, how to protect yourself. He's doing a great job of that and just limiting the negative plays. That's big for this team, especially knowing how good your defense is going to be this year. So I expect him to have a similar year as far as stats-wise. He's, he's a mature player, and he knows not to chase the stats, to take the, take the big play when it's there, but don't force anything as well. We heard ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips say yesterday how huge non-conference games are for his conference's teams. Obviously, LSU will be a huge test for FSU. Eddie Royal, you're leaving us briefly. You'll be back later in the show. The Sean Clifford era is over at Penn State, and the Drew Aller era is beginning, or is it? We'll hear from head coach James Franklin next on College Football Live. Welcome back to College Football Live. It is day one of Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis, Indiana. A lot of questions surrounding the conference, of course, with the um, expansion next season. So a lot to get to there, starting here with Penn State, who had a rosy finish to last season. While the Nittany Lions must replace quarterback Sean Kif Clifford, they return dynamic running backs Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Singleton was one of three freshmen to rush for 1,000 yards last season. The team enters year two with Manny Diaz as defensive coordinator, who guided the seventh-best scoring defense in the nation with just 18 points allowed per game and also ranked in the top 15 in third down percentage as well as red zone efficiency. They also have been dominant against most of the Big Ten but have struggled against Michigan and Ohio State. The Nittany Lions were 4-10 against the Wolverines and Buckeyes since 2016, 40-10 against all other league teams. Here's head coach James Franklin. Well, first, I want to be clear. We still got a quarterback competition going on, but uh, Drew's done everything, you know, really the right way. Um, highly recruited quarterback out of high school, was able to get game reps last year, which is really valuable. I think played in 10 games for us all the way to the opening game uh, on the road against Purdue. Ton of value in that. Uh, six foot five, 242 pounds, can make all the throws is more athletic than I think people give him credit for. Um, but the other thing is he lives it. You know, he really works at, you know, being a, being a really good quarterback. Uh, and I think Sean Clifford having that opportunity and experience to play under Sean, who had tremendous football IQ and knew how to prepare, was really valuable. James Franklin has had stability under center, going straight from Christian Hackenberg to three of, to three years of Trace McSorley into the four years of Sean Clifford. So who's up next? You heard him talk about it. True sophomore Drew Aller. According to ESPN, Aller was the number two ranked pocket passer in his 2022 class behind only Texas A&M's Connor Wegman. All right, Pete, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, what can you tell us more about the quarterback competition happening? Well, Christine, it is a quarterback competition in name, but it's fairly clear when you talk to anyone at Penn State, the expectation is Drew Aller goes and fulfills that great recruiting hype he had coming in. He has all the physical tools to be Penn State's best quarterback since Kerry Collins a generation ago. 
there's really a feel that his arm can help stretch the field. And that's something that the past couple quarterbacks like Sean Clifford and Trace McSorley haven't been able to do. I think the best part for the adjustment of a young quarterback like Allers, they have Olu Fashano at left tackle, who's going to be a top five pick in the next NFL draft. They got Dante Cephas from the portal, who could be that guy that Aller can connect with from long distance. So it would be a major shock if anyone but Drew Aller is the Penn State quarterback come week one. Okay, Luke, so if in fact Drew Aller is the guy, what kind of pressure do you think is on him? I think there's a ton of pressure on him because, you know, we, we can fault Sean Clifford for maybe not having, you know, elite tools, but the production was there. He was consistent. And I think on top of that, when you haven't played very much uh, and there is a lot of hype and you are extremely talented, and I, I agree, I think he, he looks like Kerry Collins, only he's a much better athlete. Um, I think the, the pressure comes with everybody else looking at Penn State's roster and then looking at their schedule and saying, this could be it. This could be the team that should get them to the Big Ten title game. This could be a team offensively and defensively with their personnel that could be a college football playoff team. So with that on your shoulders as a young quarterback that everybody has been waiting to see full time, yeah, I think the pressure is going to be pretty high. I would imagine he also put a little pressure on himself because he is from Ohio and decided not to go to Ohio State and instead to go to Penn State. So, of course, he's going to want to beat that Ohio State football team. Speaking of, Penn State would have been undefeated last season if they didn't have to play Ohio State and Michigan. The Nittany Lions went 11-0 against all other opponents last season, outscoring them by a total of 265 points. That's 24 points per game. They lost to the Buckeyes and Wolverines by a combined 37 points last year. So, Lugs, what does Penn State have to do in order to catch up with Michigan and Ohio State this season? Uh, I think they got to beat Ohio State. And the reason why I say that is it's really the only true difficult environment from a road contest standpoint on their schedule. Um, doesn't mean that the schedule's not good. Doesn't mean that it's not strong. But they get a lot of the teams in their own backyard. Happy Valley is a very difficult place to play. I, you know, I, I know they haven't had great success against Ohio State and Michigan as of late. But I'm not so sure that many of their teams have entered into those contests with the better team. Um, that may be the case this year as it relates to Michigan. Um, obviously, a new quarterback at, at Ohio State will determine, I think, a lot of their success. But we know what their personnel is. But again, I look at the schedule. I, I think that this is a 10, maybe 11-plus win football team if Drew Aller goes out and does what we all expect him to do. I think Lukes is right, and I, I think if Penn State is going to close that gap, they're going to have to do it with that offensive line. We mentioned Fashano, and there's five other guys with returning starting experience, more than 60 starts on that offensive line. And on the defensive line, there's some strong young talent that really has the NFL excited. My favorite, of course, is Chop Robinson. Uh, he's a rush edge who's <laughs> poised to have a big season. He's on early NFL radars, and I think Penn State has recruited really well the past two, three years, and they've stacked great depth which is what the SEC has up front on those offensive defensive lines. I know it's not the most fun thing to talk about, but that's really where there's a strong difference in this Penn State team compared to other additions. As you saw on that graphic moments ago, they opened their season in Happy Valley on September 2nd against West Virginia. Pete, you've had the longest day ever. We're going to give you a little break. You're probably going to go do something else, but we'll give you a little break from here. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> All right, we, when we return on College Football Live, we'll play a little over-under with ACC win totals for this season. Will the Florida State Seminoles be a double-digit win team in the regular season? We'll talk about it.
Welcome back to College Football Live. The countdown continues. 36 days away from the start of the ACC football season. And ACC football kickoff is on day two in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today features Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, FSU, and UVA. Now, just days after entering the transfer portal, former BC quarterback Phil Dracovic Transferred to ACC rival Pittsburgh, he was QB1 at BC for three seasons after transferring from Notre Dame in 2020. Last season, he went out with an injury in Week 9 and missed the remainder of the season. Pat Narduzzi talks about his quarterback. You know, when we look at bringing those guys in and you look at our roster of guys that we brought in the portal, we're bringing back guys that we've previously recruited. We worked hard at getting them the first time um, and uh, didn't get them the second time. Uh, when he went to BC, you know, uh, we wanted him bad, but we had a guy named Kenny Pickett. I couldn't guarantee him, him being the starter, um, you know, with, with Kenny Pickett being there. And then, you know, we got lucky, and uh, we will get his last and final and his best season he's ever had. You need the quarterback to play well to win games. And uh, what I bring to the table, I think, is experience. Um, I've got size, athleticism, and um, you know, I, I think I have the pieces to win, but more importantly than that, I have the teammates. We have such a good culture. The, the defense is, is so strong and tough. And then the offense, we got weapons everywhere. The offensive line is very experienced, and I know they're ready to go. So it's all the pieces that we have. And I think as long as I get the ball to our playmakers, we're going to be set. Very chill guy. The Panthers went 9-4 last year and beat UCLA in the Sun Bowl. They're favorites to win each of their first six games this season, according to ESPN Analytics, then underdogs against Wake, Notre Dame, Florida State, and Syracuse, and then favored to beat BC and Duke to finish the season. Eddie, I'm going to start with you since you're out there in Charlotte. What do you expect to see from this Pitt offense? Yeah, look, it, it won't be pretty. Phil Dracovic is the type of guy. He's a bruiser at quarterback. Even Coach Narduzzi said it today. We couldn't really tell how good Phil was over the spring because we couldn't hit him at quarterback. He's that Ben Roethlisberger type of player. It's going to be a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and he's going to make a lot of big plays. He can make the, the deep throw, as we see right there. The main thing with Phil Dracovic is he has to stay healthy. That's, the, that's been the main issue with him. If he can stay healthy and take care of the ball, then pick can win a lot of games. Yeah, Eddie hit the nail on the head right there. It's all about health. Um, you know, he's he's had up and downs, but he's been beat up. He's a big-bodied guy. Uh, but I think there's a, there's a, there's enough proof in that footing that uh, they're probably going to have an upgrade over what they had last year with with, with Keaton Slovis, and this was still a program that uh, you know was able to go nine and four. So I think the one thing about this with Pitt is when are we going to stop undervaluing Pitt going into the season? When are we going to stop overlooking them? Because they're a thorn in everybody's side. They're tough. They're physical. They're everything the game is about. They've got an ACC championship, yet we don't talk about them as being a contender. And you know what? We probably should. Phil Jerkovic is from Pittsburgh. He said he has a lot of family and friends that are out there in Pitt, so hopefully they get to see him do well this season. Speaking of, let's do some ACC win totals, and I'll start with Eddie for each of these. These numbers were provided by Caesar Sportsbook. We're going to start with Pittsburgh. Over under seven regular season wins, Eddie. You know what? I'm going to take the push because y'all didn't do half games. I'm going to take the push in this one. Look, I'm a big believer in Pat Narduzzi and what he's building there. He's been sustainable there at Pitt. They got a tough out-of-conference schedule. 
You see that West Virginia there, and then Notre Dame's a tricky game for them as well. You got Wake and Duke to finish, but I trust Pat Narduzzi in that running game that they can get at least seven wins. Yeah, Eddie, I'm going to go with, with the over here. I think that they'll get to eight regular season wins, and as Pitt generally finds a way to do, maybe beat somebody that they go into the contest being an underdog. I just Their style of play, consistency of performance for me, um, I'm going to go over slightly. All right, let's go to Tallahassee, FSU. We talked a little bit about them earlier. Over, under, nine and a half regular season wins, Eddie. I'm going over. I'm buying in big with Florida State. They got the returning production. They got the experience at quarterback. Explosive threats on the outside. I even love the matchup with LSU in the beginning of the year. That first game is going to have those guys motivated all camp long. You win that game, then you carry over that momentum into a tough Clemson game September 23rd. And if you can get that win, then we're definitely talking about the over. I love everything from Florida State. Mike Novell's got this program headed in the right direction. Eddie, I'm with you, man. I'm taking the over. And, and to be honest with you, I think there's only two games that they enter where they're not the better team personnel-wise. That's probably LSU and Clemson. So barring injury or barring them having a relapse of playing really bad football, uh, I think this team is confident. They are rolling, and they are a double-digit regular season win team. All right, the team that FSU is taking on on October 21st, Duke over under six regular season games. I'm going over. I, I love Duke. I love what they're building. They gave Coach Elko a raise, an extension that he deserved. He's got that team playing well. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They got a playmaker in Riley Leonard at quarterback. And they actually have three receivers that not a lot of people are talking about but can play at the next level. So they got the playmakers that they need and stability at the quarterback position. Well, I'm actually going to go with a push here. I thought they did a really good job of winning close games, winning one possession games, but the schedule has gotten much more difficult than it was a year ago. You look from October 14th uh, on down, it's going to be a dogfight each and every week. I agree on Mike Elko. I think he's done a remarkable job, and I also feel if you haven't watched him, they've got maybe one of the most underappreciated, most talented quarterbacks in America that nobody's talking about in Riley Leonard, and they're going to need him to play lights out uh, to get over that number, but I'm going to go with the push. All right, our last team is especially for Eddie, Virginia Tech, over under <laughs> five and a half regular season games. <laughs> I'm almost obligated to say over, but I actually <laughs> believe it. I really do believe that we'll win. We'll do the over. <laughs> Coach Prize got this team headed in the right direction. We got playmakers on the outside, something that we lacked last year. You brought in a quarterback transfer. Who knows who, who's going to be under center for that first game? Maybe both of them. But I like the way the schedule sets up. You can get a lot of wins early in that season. The middle of it gets tough, but then we're going to finish off against UVA with a win. I got no doubt about that. I agree with you versus UVA, but I, I this was a hard. This was the hardest one for me today. So I took the under. Don't do I it. I just Timmy. don't know if I trust the. <laughs> I know what I'm sorry, Eddie, but I don't know what we're going to get out of the quarterback position. And they just need such significantly better production uh, at quarterback. I agree that Brent Pry will, will get this thing going and that they will be a better version of themselves this year. But I think they'd have to outplay and somebody would have to make some mistakes against them for them to steal a, a, maybe one or two wins.
Way to send our guy off. This is la the last time that we're seeing Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just going to send him off on that it's note. It's not right. <laughs> it's so rude. It's so rude. And our producer is a UVA grad. Yeah, exactly. How rude of you. He uh, must not I want me it. to come back. <laughs> We ganged up on him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Eddie, so good to see you. Enjoy your time out in Charlotte. Thanks for having me. All right, coming up next on College Football Live, Iowa's offense was horrendous last season. Can Cade McNamara, the transfer from Michigan, be the difference maker for the Hawkeyes under season, under center this season? That's next. Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA are in discussions about a negotiated resolution for a four-game suspension during the 2023 season. That was confirmed on Tuesday. The looming suspension is tied to an NCAA recruiting investigation in which Harbaugh faces a level one violation, that the most serious kind for not cooperating with NCAA enforcement. Here's a look at Michigan's schedule next season. The first Big Ten school that the Wolverines will face next season is Rutgers in their fourth game of of the year, the Scarlet Knights went four and eight, including one and eight in Big Ten play. We welcome in Adam Rittenberg. Uh, Adam, you spoke to Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. What can you tell us about what he's saying about this looming suspension? Well, Christine, Tony Petiti told me this is essentially a campus issue, an issue between Harbaugh and the NCAA. He's in communication with Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel, but said to me that essentially they have to work it out. They have to work out this, this negotiated settlement um, and that in general the expectation from the league is to, is to meet those compliance expectations, the NCAA dealing with NCAA investigators. So, but, but much like the Northwestern situation, the Big Ten is trying to support its member, trying to learn as much as it can, but then he, Petiti told me there's really an expectation going forward uh, of, of, of standards of conduct. So at this point, really staying out of it, observing what happens with Michigan and Harbaugh, but, but certainly uh, emphasizing that, that there's expectations to meet going forward. So originally we saw that Harbaugh wouldn't be there at Big Ten Media Day today. Is he going to be at Big Ten Media Day tomorrow? Yes, uh, Jim Harbaugh will be here alongside the three Michigan players to, uh, to to preview their season. And they're certainly a favorite in this conference after winning this league two years in a row, making the college football playoff. Again, this is not a finalized settlement for the suspension, so I wouldn't anticipate him going into great detail. But he certainly will be asked about his uh, interactions with NCAA investigators, why he was not maybe fully forthcoming or maybe misleading in those conversations. But Jim Harbaugh will be here at Lucas Oil Stadium on Thursday alongside Blake Corum and the other two Michigan players. All right, Lugs, we talked a little bit about distractions when it comes to this Michigan team and how this could be a distraction. Uh, what kind of impact will this suspension have on the team? Well, you, I think very little, especially when you consider, you know, the, the, those first four games uh, are against inferior opponents talent-wise. They're going to have significant personnel advantages in those games and so I think you just you, you don't change anything you keep the schedule the schedule keep everything routine uh, with the football team and let's not forget what what took place with Jim Harbaugh and recruiting and where all this is stemming from does not have anything to do with a single player that is currently on that roster right now that's going to be playing for them and they're too deep so again don't worry about what you can't control just go out and play the games again you're going to be the best team on the field those first four weeks and you have a staff that's been to, uh, together for a while they'll take care of it 
Uh, a reminder that Michigan ended their season last year in the CFP semis to TCU. Adam, thank you so much for your reporting out of Indy. We'll see you later. All right, let's go to a former Wolverine, quarterback Cade McNamara, who helped Michigan to a Big Ten title and CFP berth in 2021, is now Iowa's quarterback after transferring in December. He lost his starting job in Ann Arbor to J.J. McCarthy and did not play at all for Michigan since suffering a leg injury in week three that required surgery. Now, Iowa's offense was downright horrible in 2022. Hawkeyes ranked in the bottom five in yards per game, yards per play, third down conversion rate, and offensive points per game. Only New Mexico averaged fewer yards per game last year. Here's more on Iowa's new quarterback. Got a new quarterback coming in in Cade McNamara. Yeah, I think probably the most significant change on our team will be the maturity of our offensive line. We, we uh, look to change and modify each and every season. Uh, you don't have to go that far back to find us having fairly good success. And uh, our numbers have been, I, I think, pretty good offensively up until the last two years. I can get as granular as you want you know, and tell you about the injuries at receiver a year ago, how we look coming out of spring versus September. I could tell you about the offensive line over the last two years. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with those details. All right, Luke, so a lot stands on this quarterback when it comes to this Iowa offense. Is he the answer to Iowa's offensive woes? Well, I think he's certainly an upgrade. And it's not just him, though. I think they've also brought in some better players. Eric All, the tight end, comes over from Michigan as well. Caleb Brown comes over from Ohio State. He was an exciting freshman, a high-profile recruit. And so the personnel around Kate, uh, Kate McNamara is going to be better. And then I think he's a significant uh, uh, upgrade over Spencer Peaches. So to me, can it be any worse? I, I, I think it's not just the scheme. It's the players. They, they got to get better players so that you can create more explosive plays and that you can push the ball downfield. But when you show those statistical numbers on that graphic right there, what's amazing is that this team was as good as they were on defense, considering the defense was on the field virtually the entire game because the third down conversion rate on offense was so poor you couldn't sustain any drives. Let's also not forget, it will get better. And this was a team that won eight games a year ago. So, you know, to Kirk Ferentz's uh, point, you know, it wasn't you don't have to go that far back to see them be very, very productive in some areas. And when they weren't productive, they won eight games. All right, well, they open their season against Utah State on September 2nd. We'll see what they're able to do on offense starting then. Let's get to another Big Ten school. Illinois has hired former Wisconsin D.C. and interim coach Jim Leonard as senior defensive analyst. He's a three-time All-America selection at Wisconsin who had spent his entire coaching career at his alma mater. He also served as Wisconsin's interim head coach for the final seven games in 2022. Now, their defense, pretty good already. Illinois allowed just 12.8 points per game last season, the best in FBS. They also ranked top three in completion percentage allowed, pass yards per attempt, and yards allowed per game. Here is head coach Brett Bielema with more. Well, we brought in Luke, and he joined us in January, uh, coming out of Ole Miss. And, and uh, just talking with the coaches there, I know he's a very talented player, a guy that uh, you know brings a lot of different uh, skill sets. But... Um, him. Uh, we also have added a couple other guys into the mix. And, and as you mentioned, Donovan, a guy that's very talented and uh, excited to see him grow, had a really good spring. So quarterback is key position and how that uh, plays out this fall will be a big deal. Coach talking about Luke Altmeyer there, uh, the quarterback from Ole Miss. All right, Lugs, do you believe that Illinois can build off of their success in this season? 
Yeah, I really do. Now, they're not going to sneak up on anybody like they did a year ago. I don't think anybody expected that. So they were a much better football team than people anticipated. But I do think that they've got enough components and now have more talent infused into the roster. And they're a bit older. They lose Ryan Walters to become the head coach at Purdue from a defensive perspective. But I, I like the schedule. Um, it, it plays out very, very well. If you notice who's not on that schedule, uh, to, to my point, they've got weapons on offense. Luke Altmaier showed a lot of promise when he played for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Gabe Yakis, who is the edge player on defense, was a true freshman a year ago, is a budding star. And if you haven't watched them on defense, let me just tell you something. There's no secrets. They line up. They play press, they play man, and they dare you to throw the football and run the football because they are going to man you up. So if that approach stays the same, it's one of the reasons why they were so successful a year ago. We saw their graphic. They start off against Toledo on September 2nd. All right, as we wrap things up on College Football Live, we'll do some more win totals. This time in the Big Ten, what are the chances Ohio State is a perfect 12-0 in the regular season? We'll talk about it. The NFL's Back Together weekend is happening again with all 32 NFL teams practicing at their individual training camp sites. And Saturday, the NFL Live crew will have coverage from every one of them from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on ESPN and from 1 to 3 Eastern on ABC. Back Together weekend is also available on the ESPN app and NFL Network. 12 teams will be at the mic tomorrow. It's a big day. The ACC will have North Carolina, Clemson, Wake Forest, Boston College, and NC State. The Big Ten will have Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Michigan. We'll have it all covered right here on College Football Live at 3 Eastern, again on ESPN2. All right, now it's time for some Big Ten win totals. All odds provided by Caesars Sportsbook, and we're going to start with... Ohio State over under 10 and a half regular season games. What do you got, Lukes? I'm taking the over. Uh, I just think Ohio State's got better Jimmy's and Joe's than everybody else. And um, are they going to have some 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 tough contests? Of course they are. Um, and, and they got a bullseye on their back, but they are breaking in a quarterback. They're going to be inexperienced there for a little while. Um, those first three weeks should help to break that quarterback in and know a lot more about what they have before September 23rd comes around. Uh, but this is an 11 win plus roster talent wise. What are the odds that they go 12 and 0? Probably pretty, pretty good. I mean, okay. you got a bar injury uh, and, and uh, you know, maybe they catch somebody um, at the right time. Cause you never know when you're going to catch somebody schedule wise, you catch them early versus catching them late and they're a different team. So um, I, I think oftentimes when you're a team like Ohio State with their talent, you're probably going to go into every matchup with more talent than the, the opponents. So in order to lose, you got to screw it up, all right? And they got to help you. All right, let's go to Penn State. Over, under, nine and a half regular season wins. I'm going to go over here. I, again, I, I think that this is one of the best rosters that James Franklin has put together at Penn State. And still, much of it is very, very young. You look at the running backs that burst onto the scene last year. Abdul Cardo that burst onto the, burst onto the scene. Um, and again, you look at the schedule. Schedule really plays in their favor, particularly when you consider who they have to play on the road environment-wise. So I like this team. I like it a lot. Quarterback's got to play well, but I'm taking the over.
All right, let's go to Iowa. We talked about their new quarterback a little bit earlier and how bad their offense was last year. Over, under, eight and a half regular season wins. I'm actually going to take the under here. Uh, now, they don't play Michigan or Ohio State, but I think they're probably an, an eight-win team. Okay, they're, they're, uh, are they going to be improved offensively? I would expect them to be. Are they going to be the exact same defense that they were a year ago? I don't know. I know they're going to be good. Um, but I don't know if their roster profile is a 9-10 win type of profile, but that's what Kirk Ferentz does, right? He exceeds expectations more often than not. And oftentimes when you have a lot of redshirt seniors, redshirt juniors on a developmental program like that, you end up having a pretty successful season. That could happen this fall. All right, finally, we end things off with Illinois. Over, under six regular season wins. Over. I, I think that they've got confidence now. They know exactly who they are. They know their style of play. They, too, do not play Mich Michigan or Ohio State. Um, that plays out very, very well for them. And I think they got to get off to a fast start. It'll be interesting to see how Penn State responds uh, to Illinois off of last season. So I, I think they're better than a, than a 500 ball club. All right, we'll see what happens this season. It's certainly exciting. As I mentioned, there'll be 12 teams on the mic tomorrow as Big Ten Media Day and ACC Football Media Day continue. Lugs, always great working with you. College Football Live will be back tomorrow, 3 to 4. We'll see you then.